Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me again to three openings. Turn first of all to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hold your place there. We looked at these openings last time, but we want to go back and and look at them again, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then turn with me and uh, hold your place in Ephesians chapter 3, and then Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read in Ephesians 1 first. We'll read Ephesians chapter 1, a passage there, and then we'll read from a passage in chapter 3, and then we'll read over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 1, these are uh, verses that we've been looking at now for several weeks, and this is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. And because it was given by the Spirit, it's still pertinent today. It's, it's, it's important today. It applies to us today. And it would be right for us to pray this prayer over our own lives, wouldn't it? Amen. And he said, Thy therefore, verse 15, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Remember I said that the things that we're talking about and the things that he wanted them to receive revelation knowledge on only comes by revelation. There there are things in the word of God that you'll never understand just by reading and evaluating with your natural thinking, with your natural reasoning ability and so forth. You'll not really get what the Spirit of God is saying. You have to have the Holy Spirit reveal truth to you. Because these things, the Bible says, and we'll read over it when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, these things are spiritually discerned. Amen. And so uh, he said, I want you to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, this is evidently something that the church at Ephesus did not have adequate revelation on. I think we make a mistake sometimes of thinking that in the first generation, that first century of the church, that all Christians everywhere all were on the same level and they all had the same knowledge of the word, you know, the full revelation. But Paul prayed there that the church at Ephesus would receive revelation. Evidently, they didn't have the revelation. He had it, but they didn't have it. And so uh, that, that, uh, that has something to say to us today. We'll go on a little bit further before I get to that, though. He said, I want the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. What does it mean when, some, when someone is enlightened? It means they receive light. Or you could say it this way, I, I pray that your spirit man would be flooded with light. God wants our inward man, our understanding to be flooded with light flooded with enlightenment, flooded with with the illumination of the Spirit. He said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
It's according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now let's go on over to Ephesians chapter three. This is another prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. And of course it's inspired by the spirit as well and it would be good for us to pray this. He said, for this reason, I'm beginning in the 14th verse, Ephesians three fourteen. For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, now pay attention, may be able to comprehend. Well, that's talking about revelation, isn't it? May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. God wants us to understand everything that is available to us. He wants us to understand the deep things of God. He wants us to understand our full covenant, what really belongs to us, what his plan and his intention is and his provision is for the church. He wants us to comprehend it, to lay hold of it. But you're not gonna do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You should pray these prayers for yourself that the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In order for the church in these last days to be the church that God has ordained the church to be in the end times, we must have this revelation. We must know what belongs to us. Amen. And and so uh, go over from here, back over to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And he's still speaking here of revelation. In other words, divine revelation, illumination, enlightenment. In verse number six, he says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Remember that Paul prayed in Ephesians there that we might receive the spirit of what? Wisdom and understanding. He's talking about the wisdom of God. He said in verse six, we speak wisdom among those who are mature yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now, when it refers to the rulers of this age, he's not talking about the Roman rulers because they were only the rulers of a time. You know, they, they, they came into power and uh, even in the time of the New Testament, several different uh, uh, men uh, f- uh, had the position of Caesar. In other words, there were several different rulers that they came and they were overthrown and others came. But this is talking about the rulers of this age. Okay? It's talking about the, the world. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages 
for our glory. Now notice the wisdom of God was hidden and it was a mystery, but it was hidden for us. It was hidden in order to to be delivered to us, to be revealed to us. It was for our glory. Amen. Well, then we ought to know about it. Which none of the rulers of this age, this is talking about the evil spirits who rule over this age, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them, them things which he has prepared for us. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one can know the things of God except by the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Notice The things that belong to us have been freely given to us. We don't have to work. We don't have to strive. We don't have to. They have been freely, no strings attached, given to us. Well, we need to know what those things are. He talks here about the wisdom of God. And he compares the wisdom of God. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery and he compares that with the wisdom of this age or the wisdom of the world or you could say the devil's wisdom. The wisdom of God, and you'll go back over now to Ephesians and we'll tie this together with Ephesians chapter one. He said, I want you to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What is this wisdom of God that he's trying to get across to us? He's talking about how Jesus was raised from the dead and how he raised him up and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And he wants us to understand that he was not only raised up and that he was seated, but that he was seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he wants us to understand that he put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him... The Lord Jesus Christ, who is exalted, who is seated at the Father's right hand, far above all uh, principality, power, might, and dominion, he gave him to be head over all things for the church. See, a lot of Christians uh, like to talk about the exaltation of Christ. How that when he was raised from the dead, he ascended on high and God highly exalted him. And they, and they are thrilled with the idea that Jesus was, is highly exalted and that he's over all things. Well, we're supposed to give him the preeminence in everything. We take no issue with him being exalted and that we are to worship him and all of our adoration and praise is toward the Lord Jesus. That's thoroughly true. But that's not the point 
that he's making here. It says he made him head over all things, not for himself, but for the church. Saying it differently, all the things that Jesus is head over, he's head over them for the benefit of the church so that we would be over all those things. Do you get that? He was made head over all things for the church. The the, the King King James says to the church. In other words, it was done. He was made head over all things, but it was done to the church. He was made head, but it was done to the church. It was directed to us. It was for us. It was, it, it's, it's part of our inheritance. That's the wisdom of God that the church needs to get a hold of. It's the wisdom of God that Paul was praying that the Ephesians would get a hold of. And that is that, that we are jointly seated with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you read on down in the second chapter, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which, in, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, disobedience, that's the rulers of this age, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together, together, together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together, glory to God, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Woo, glory to God. We were raised up together we were made to sit together with him. Well, if his seating is an, if his seating represents his being enthroned, which it does, he was enthroned at the Father's right hand, then we're enthroned with him. If his seating represents authority, if his seating at the Father's right hand represents that he's been made head over all things, then it means that we've been made head over all things. Woo, well, Glory. Because it was, it was all done for us, to the church. I'm seated in heavenly places at the Father's right hand. Glory to God. Everything the devil tries to do is under my feet. And it's under your feet too. Hallelujah. This is the revelation. He wants us to know our authority in Christ. He wants us to understand that we are not a defeated church. We are not the embattled church. We're the victorious church. The wisdom of the devil, which is a lie, the rulers of this age, their wisdom is is that the devil is, is still in charge. That the devil is to be feared. That the devil is to be cowed to. Amen. That's what much of the church world believes. They've really got more faith in the devil and what he can do than what God has done in Christ for us. 
I, I remember one time I, right after we started our church, we were over in the, in the woman's club there in High Springs. We'd just been together a few months. And one Sunday night I was preaching. And I said, church, you don't need to be afraid of the devil. Don't be afraid of the devil. And there was a man there. I'd never seen him before. He was a visitor and he was sitting in the back. And he just spoke up, just spoke up and just interrupted me. He said, well, you better be afraid of the devil. That's what, the, that's what most, much, much of the church world believes. That we have to be afraid of the devil. Oh, don't say anything. Don't say you know that, that you're going to be victorious. Don't you know the devil will hear you? Then he'll come after you. If you say, you know, you're not going to be sick, don't let the devil hear you say that. Got more respect for the devil than they do for God and for what he's done for us. See, that, that, the devil wants the church to believe he's still in charge. He's not in charge. Now, he's in charge of the people that belong to him, but, but we don't belong to him. We were translated out of his kingdom and into the kingdom of God. We don't belong to him. We're not under his rulership, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. We, and, and, and I chose that word embattled. We are the victorious church. We are not the embattled church. Now, listen. There, with world events and current events and what's going on, you would, a lot of Christians are, are being uh, battered with the idea that the church is under attack and that the devil is gaining ground. And uh, you hear about people being persecuted. You hear about Christians uh, uh, being, being murdered and so forth. You hear about uh, the advance of Islam and how that they're, they're, they're planning to come to America and take over everything and turn our nation into an Islamic nation. And they'll imprison Christians and kill them if they don't convert. And a lot of people are, are, are saying, well, you know, times are gonna get hard before Jesus comes and we might all have to give our lives. Don't forget, they say, don't forget the first generation church. Many of the Christians of the first century, they had to give their lives for Christ. You know, Nero would take Christians and he bound them up, poured uh, 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 tar on them and set them on fire and used them for torches in his garden. So what happened to them? We're no better than they are. Listen. That might have happened, but that was not the will of God. I said it was not the will of God. It wasn't the will of God for the church to be decimated in the first second. That was, it went, the persecution of the church lasted about 300 years. And the church was persecuted almost to, into oblivion. You think that was the will of God? No. That's why I said earlier what I said. We make the, the mistake of thinking that just because the New Testament, there is truth in the New Testament, that all believers understood these things. In the first generation of the church, Paul wrote this epistle to the Ephesians. When he Remember in the book of Acts when Paul was, was, uh, uh, had, had uh, appealed to Caesar? 
And the last few chapters of Acts, he's on his way, you know, to Rome. In the 28th chapter of Acts, we find him. The last chapter of the book of Acts, he's in, under house arrest in Rome. These letters, these, these Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, they're called the prison epistles. They were written during that time of Paul's life. So after the things that, had, that we read about Paul and his journeys, his three missionary journeys and all that, after that, after that time had transpired, this wasn't the first days of the, of the church. This was later on in the century. Paul was in prison, you know, uh, uh, there, and we find him there in the, in the book of, of Acts in the 28th chapter, and he wrote these epistles, and he was praying that the church at Ephesus would receive the revelation that God had given him. And he knew there was only one way to get it, and that was by the Spirit of God. Evidently, they didn't have that revelation. Like I said, we believe in the Acts and the uh, experiences and everything that was taught that first, that first century. All of the scriptures, all of the scriptures come from that time period. We believe in all of it. We believe we ought to have all of it. We ought to walk in everything they had, experience all of the blessing they had, experience all of the moves of the Spirit, all the demonstrations of the Spirit, all of that. But to think they understood everything is a mistake. They didn't even have the New Testament. The New Testament was not, even, was not even recognized as a body of work until several centuries later. And so these epistles, Paul would write his epistles like this one was written to the church at Ephesus. Well, he, they would get his epistles and they would read them and they would share them. And so these epistles were circulating, but they weren't necessarily widely circulated everywhere. When, when believers of the first century thought about the scriptures, when you use the word the scriptures, they were thinking of the Old Testament. They weren't thinking of the epistles that were, that were being circulated. It took time for the church and the churches the rank and file, you know, ordinary member of all the little churches scattered all over, you know, that part of the, of the Greek-speaking world. It took time for these epistles to circulate. And they're no different than us. They, you know, you read these epistles and you don't get it all. What makes you think they got it all? I mean, it has to come by the revelation of the Spirit. You don't get it just by reading it. And Paul, Paul evidently thought they didn't have it yet. He's praying they'd get it. We're praying we'd get it. My point is, just because it happened to the church in the first generation, in the first uh, century, doesn't mean it was the will of God and it doesn't mean that they were operating in all the revelation knowledge they could have had. The apostles were circulating throughout the churches, signs and wonders and miracles, demonstrations, and they wrote about these things and we believe all these things, but not every person in the church, not every congregation fully grasped everything that, they, that was delivered to them any more than we do today. Come on now. So yes, the, the people in the, in, in, in the uh, middle part and the last part of the century, yes, they suffered persecution and yes, a lot of people were murdered and yes, it was brutal, but that doesn't mean it had to have happened. I know, I, this, is, this is 
delicate territory. You, a lot of people get offended for somebody else. Well, the very idea that you think you're better than the, than the, the first generation of believers. It's not doesn't have anything to do with being better. It has everything to do with understanding what belongs to us. And there's no indication that everyone understood everything that belonged to them. Just because the apostles had the, the revelation, they were endeavoring to get it out. Peter referred to the things that Paul, he said the truth and the revelation that was given to Paul, he said in some of these things they're hard to understand. Even Peter didn't under fully understand all of the things that Paul preached. Amen. It's in there. You look it up, Second Peter. Find it. Said the things that Paul preached, in which are some hard to understand. You start talking like this today, people will, will, will criticize you of not respecting other people. Well, you know, people are, Christians are losing their lives, you know, in foreign lands and they're having their heads cut off and they're being, you know, tortured and they're having all these things happen. You think you're better than, it's not a matter of being better. It's a, being, it's a matter of finding out what belongs to us and taking our stand. Amen. Well, Paul was beheaded. He knew these things. Mm -hmm. Peter was crucified. Mm -hmm. Stephen was stoned. Mm -hmm. In every one of those cases, the Spirit of God showed them and gave them special grace. The Lord told Peter, he said, just before he, he ascended into heaven, he said, Peter, when you were young, you clothed yourself and went where you wanted to go. He said, but when you are old, someone else will clothe you and take you somewhere you would not want to go. And it says he was signifying the death that he would die for Christ. So it was, it was especially and uniquely revealed to him that there was a plan for his life and there was special grace. He said, someone else will gird you up and carry you where you can't take yourself. What, what, did, what, did, what happened to Stephen when he was being stoned? It says he looked up and saw into heaven and saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And they stoned him, kneeling down and, and saying, Father, forgive them. Don't lay this sin to their charge. He died in a cloud of glory. That's special grace. That, that's not just, that's not just a, 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 a wholesale slaughter of Christians. When Ananias went to, to, uh, to, to Saul of Tarsus to lay his hands on him, the Lord said, I will show he is a special vessel and I will show him the things he must suffer for my sake. And, and Paul knew it ahead of time. He read, you read about it in the book of Acts. He said, I'm gonna leave here and you're never gonna see my face again. They all started crying, you know. And, and he said, listen, I, I, I'm ready. And when he departed from, from Philip's house, you know, they, they were all uh, crying and begging him. And he said, listen, I'm ready to go not only to Jerusalem, but to die in Jerusalem. I'm ready. Second Timothy, he wrote, he said, my, the time of my departure is at hand. He was looking forward to it. God had revealed, yes, I'll say this, there are cases. There are individual cases where God has 
uh, uh, something that has to be accomplished for him and there's no other way for that person to accomplish that without suffering martyrdom. There are people like that. But I'll say this, that's not the usual thing. I said that's not the usual thing. And this is not disrespecting people who are being slaughtered today. It has nothing to do with that. It's the fact that God wants us to get a revelation that we've been raised up, that we are the victorious church. We're not the embattled church. We're not the defeated church. We're not to be running and hiding. We're not to be concerned. Glory to God. He will protect us. I go to shopping malls and I know good and well if somebody comes into that shopping mall with a, with a, 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 a weapon and starts killing people, I will walk out of, that, out of that mall under my own strength with no harm. If I go to a sporting arena and, and, and there's some big mass you know, uh, attack, I will be, I'll walk out of there okay because I belong to Jesus. And I have authority in the name of Jesus. And unless he especially reveals something to me that I need to lay down my life, I'm going to live my life. Amen. Well, amen. He's want, I tell you, the church has to get a hold of this because the church is trembling right now. Christians all over this world and right here in our own nation with very real, even, even reasonable reason to be this way are trembling in fear of what the future will hold. I'm telling the future holds victory for the church. Amen. It's the God raised the church up and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're far above terrorists. We're far above Islamists. We're far above well, what happens if, you know, uh, there's some kind of a crazy attack and, 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 and the infrastructure breaks up? I'll not go hungry is what will happen. Never seen the righteous forsaken. Never seen the righteous forsaken. Don't expect to see the right. Now, I'm not saying if you want to have a garden, have a garden. I'm not saying you shouldn't do some things, you know. If you think you ought to prepare for yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't put your faith in things. Put your faith in God. You know, the Lord led Joseph to prepare in Egypt huh, ahead of time for the, for the famine that was coming. It was revealed to him. So there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to follow your own heart on that. But the thing is, in, in all cases and under every situation, he will provide, praise God. I'm not going hungry. My family's not going hungry. And we're well armed. <laughs> Amen. No, we're, I, I've got the victory through Christ. I'm not concerned. We need to not cow in fear uh, uh, about the things that might be coming. We need to rise up in authority and say, here's what's coming, devil. We're going to rule and reign as believers right up until the time Jesus comes back and catches us away. We're going to be a bold witness for the Lord. We're going to be lead, leading people to Christ. We're going to be a bright light shining in a dark world. Glory to God. And we're going to go out of here in victory. Praise God. Amen. Well, amen. That's right. He's not giving us the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. So don't take it. Anytime you sense fear 
concern, anxiety beginning to creep in. You're watching the news. Just jump to your feet and say, no, 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 you don't. I'm not reacting that way. That's not coming from God. It must be coming from somebody else. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus had a special mission when he came here. The disciples said, you don't, know, you don't, you don't want to go up to Jerusalem, Jesus. They're, they're, trying to, they're trying to kill you. He said, that's why I came to the earth. He said, I came here to die. That's, that's my purpose. I mean, that, that's, 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 my, that's my main focus, to go to Jerusalem and die. That's why I came here. But until that time, Every time the enemy tried to come against him, he just walked through scot-free. He just walked right out in the midst of them. They're fumbling around, you know, trying to find him. And he's disappeared. He just walked right through. Just supernatural. You think that's just for Jesus? That's for the church. It's for the church. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now the word there, destroy, means to render powerless or inoperative, to make useless for the purpose of its existence, to make without effect. Obviously, the devil wasn't destroyed in the sense that he doesn't exist. He certainly exists. And he still exists because uh, uh, according to the lease that God gave Adam in the earth, the devil is still operating on that. There's a time frame that he has a right to be here. But his power over us has been made void. Remember over in... in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about the, the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. One translation says the dethroned rulers of this age. Dethroned. <laughs> the devil was dethroned. The devil had the authority of death. Notice, he who uh, through death that he might destroy him who had, past tense, had the power of death. The devil was the Lord of death. He ruled over spiritual death all through in the Old Testament. You, ever, you notice in the Old Testament, nobody cast out devils? You don't think they had any? Sure they had some. And nobody cast out devils because nobody had the authority to cast out devils. In fact, the devil wasn't talked a whole lot about in the Old Testament. There's teachings that show us about his origin and how he fell and, you know, he was there in the Garden of Eden. But beyond that, there's not a lot of, he's not talked about a lot in the Old Testament because they couldn't do anything about him. Everybody was spiritually dead. Since Adam's fall, sin entered the world and death through sin. And so all have died. All through the Old Testament, they were all spiritually dead. They couldn't do anything about the devil. They couldn't cast him out. Jesus came on the scene. All of a sudden, whoo, demons are trembling. He was the first man who had authority 
First man who had authority. And, and the devils recognized it. But then he went to the cross and took from him. Jesus, over in Revelation 1, he said, I am he who, who was alive, was dead, and I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. What's that talking about? He's got authority. The devil doesn't rule in the realm of spiritual death anymore except over those who are still under his, who, who, who are still, uh, have not been enlightened. Those who, people who don't know that the devil's been defeated are still tricked into, his, into submission. But those of us who know, we don't have to be in submission because we've been delivered. Said he destroyed, rendered his power inoperative, praise God. And over, like I said, over in Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about the dethroned rulers of this age. To dethrone means to remove from a throne or place of prominence. Another word is depose. To, to depose is to remove from office, position, or authority, especially high office. The devil was deposed. <laughs> he was thrown out of office. His authority was taken from him. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. And this belongs to every member in the body of Christ if you're just one moment born again. As soon as you become a child of God, as soon as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all that Jesus did belongs to you and you can act on it, praise God. Hallelujah. But you know, you, you can't act on it if you don't know it. And that's what he's wanting us to see. Glory to God. Jesus said the truth, you shall know the truth. Go over to John 8. I want you to see this. We, we look at this sometimes and I, I think there's something here that we uh, fail to see. John chapter 8. I'm trying to wrap up here. John chapter 8. Verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, now you won't know the truth unless you abide in the word because Jesus said thy word is truth. When it talks about truth, it's talking about the word. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you shall know the truth. You're not going to know the truth if you don't spend time in the Word. If you don't abide in the Word, what does it mean to abide? It doesn't mean to visit. It means to live, to, to, to make it your residence. It's where you hang out. It's where you stay. Amen. In the Word, if you, if you stay in the Word, you'll know the truth. Now listen, it does not say that Knowing the truth will set you free. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, verse, look at verse 32, you shall know the truth and knowing the truth will set you free. It's not what it says. It says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Not, not knowing the truth, the truth. There's a difference. A lot of people think that knowing the truth will set them free. It's not knowing it, it's acting on it. The truth won't set you free whether you, even if you know it, it won't set you free unless you act on it. 
You have to act on the truth. And you won't, of course, you won't act on it if you don't know it. And you won't know it if you don't stay in the word. But if you stay in the word, you can know it. But then you need to act on it. And the truth will set you free. Oh, hallelujah. There's a lot of things being said in this world that are not truth. And they'll, they'll hold you in bondage if you listen to it. But glory to God, I'd rather listen to the truth. Amen. Let, let's, let's, let's see if we can close out here. Go over to uh, Psalm 91. Ooh, that's a week-long message here. Psalm 91. You think Psalm 91 still belongs to us? Well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, it was Old Testament, but it was prophetic. And we're actually living in the 91st Psalm dispensationally right now. This was written for the church age. Amen. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely, surely, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth that you act on and sets you free will be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Oh, glory to God. Do we have the victory? Will he protect us? Can we depend on him? Is there reason to be afraid? No, praise God. I don't care what the pundits say. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what those demon-inspired ISIS people have to say. We are the church, glory to God. And I will not be afraid. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it'll not come near me. Do you believe that? Are you confessing that? Are you convinced? Are you established in that? Is your heart established in these truths? Well, then when you watch TV, it doesn't bother you. And fear doesn't grab a hold of you. It might come, but you say, no, 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 no. No, 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 that's not for me, praise God. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand and people can be dying all around me and I'll just walk right out from the midst of it. Not come near me, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge. I tell you what, there is supernatural protection that is beyond anything we, we normally think of. There are so many angels. The Bible talks about about. Ten thousands times ten thousands times thousands and thousands of angels. I mean millions and billions. I tell you what, there's a whole group of them just for me, praise God. Just to keep me safe. No matter, I tell you what, in the days before the Lord returns, we're gonna see some of the most remarkable things, some of the most remarkable testimonies of deliverance, of divine protection, of God taking care of his people, of angels doing their work, praise God. He'll give his angels charge. Woo, glory to God. Yeah, and they will protect you. 
keep you. Their hands, in their hands, they will bear you up lest your foot be dashed against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample under feet. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. We don't have time to read it, but, but go home today and read the 23rd Psalm. That's another psalm that's prophetic. It belongs to the church today. The Lord is my shepherd. Glory to God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shout. Now that, that, that verse of scripture is quoted at funerals all the time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And everybody's doing their little funeral march. Walk through the valley of the shadow. That's not what that's talking about. That's not talking about natural death. That's not about talking about going to a funeral, having somebody in your family die. It's talking about spiritual death. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death all the time. Our whole existence here on this earth, we're walking through the valley of the shadow. Because we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Satan is still the God of this world, but he's been defeated for the church. Therefore, we, we are under his shadow. There is a shadow of death. Sometimes you can sense it. Sometimes you can sense that oppression that's around you. It's the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he says, I've prepared a table before for you in the presence of your enemies. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm gonna just come, I'm just gonna belly up to the table. Shadow of death all around me the threat of destruction all around me, get some good old food. Oh, hallelujah. He's prepared a table, a table of blessing, a table of provision, a table of abundance, a table of everything we need, all of our right, our, our inheritance, all of the things that belong, it's all on the table. There's health on the table. There's victory on the table. There's peace on the table. There's freedom from, from, from stress and toil on the table. There's prosperity on the table. Glory to God. There's abundance of every kind on the table. Right in the middle of all of the shadow of death. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Oh yeah, they're around. They, they're over here. They're barking real loud, you know. Making a lot of noise. Just keep on eating the provision. Just keep on taking in what he's provided. Glory to God. You can't get your mind on the things that are going on around you and still eat at the table. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, my, we, we always had plenty to, to eat, but the older folks, they'd always say, now, you know, you, you need to eat everything because there's a lot of kids in, in the world today don't have anything to eat. And they start telling me all about the poor kids and, and about the starving kids. And after you hear about that for a while, you don't want to eat. You almost feel guilty eating. There's kids starving. They don't have a bone to even chew on, you know, I mean, nothing. And here I've got, it just, you don't want to eat. Like I'm doing something wrong. You can't get your attention on the devil and what he's doing. Yeah, there's enemies all around us. The shadow of death is cast all around us, but we fear no evil. We just keep eating on the at the table, taking the provision that's ours. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah! We have the victory. It's ours. Let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ha <laughs> ha. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Are you afraid? Are you concerned? Are you upset? Are you anxious? Are you victorious? Are you at rest? Do you have peace? 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. No evil, no evil, no evil shall befall you. Glory to God. His angels, he gives charge over us to protect us in all our ways. Glory to God. Thank God, thank God. Can, can, can you see that, that this is a message the church must get? The devil is doing everything he can right now all over the world to make the church tremble. To make the church feel like it's a victim, that it's embattled, that everything is against us and it's all closing in and we're all going to have to give our lives and the devil's taking over everything and we might as well just plan on converting or die. That's what the devil's telling everybody all over the planet. The news media, they just pick it up and they just advertise. I'm telling you what, we have a different news. We have, we have a message from heaven, praise God. And we've been raised up together with Christ. We have the authority that belongs to him. And we're not going to submit. I said we're not going to submit. We're not going to submit our nation. We're not going to submit our nation to this. Amen. Oh, the devil might win a, 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 you know, a, a little battle here and there. He might pull something where people aren't, you know, aren't prepared. But I tell you what, as the church gets a hold of this message more and more and more and more and more, the less and less and less of that will get through. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.